Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Security is super important in IoT. Uh, I think we all know there are big vulnerabilities. And as entrepreneurs, it's important to understand as much as we can about this particular area, even though it's not the core of the Mr. Beacon podcast. So I'm pleased to have Natalie Chuva, uh, who's CEO and uh, founder of Sternum, uh, an Israeli uh, security uh, company. And we're going to interview her about what she's doing, uh, what her company's doing in this area of embedded security systems. The Mr. Beacon podcast is sponsored by Williard. Intelligence for everyday things, powered by IoT Pixels. Natalie, welcome to the Mr. Beacon podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, security is, is a subject that we delve into only occasionally, but it's super important. And it's kind of this nightmare thing where I try and keep it out of my mind, but I think it's at the front of your mind all of the time. So it's, it's good to have you on the show. Uh, can you start off explaining a bit about what your company does? Yes, of course. Sternum is providing the first embedded protection and observability platform for IoT devices which basically brings endpoint protection, detection, and observability into very low resources embedded devices, uh, which means medical devices, PLCs, routers, gateways can enjoy real-time observability, deep analytics, and protection on device. Um, and, you know, the only way to really secure and observe billions of endpoints uh, which is the expected uh, number of IoT devices connected, is by being able to create some kind of an infrastructure that is common among those devices, protecting them, monitoring them, creating business insights for the companies providing those devices. And this is what Sternum is doing, creating that infrastructure, delivering that platform uh, to serve our customers in various industries. So you're about security on IoT devices, and this podcast is all about IoT devices. So it seems like we're both in the right place. <laughs> um, what what kind of devices um, have you been working on? I, I, I was looking at one article that talked about pacemakers. I think we all want our pacemakers to be secure. What What other sorts of things? So we are currently deployed on PLCs. You also want PLCs to be secure, right? We all, we all remember stocks that that was a PLC uh, that was on the line. Uh, 
What, so what do you mean? Sorry, what, what do you mean? Is POC meaning PLC? PLC, yes, is uh, an industrial control system, basically. Okay. Uh, controlling nuclear facilities and manufacturing facilities. Uh -huh. um, so that's a mission critical device that we are deployed on. Uh, even routers and gateways are an IoT device, basically. They run their own firmware, enforcing zero trust safeguarding our networks, uh, and this is devices that we help protect. Uh, pacemakers, you mentioned, indeed, it's another you know, mission-critical embedded device that enjoys our on-device protection and observability. Uh, we also work on sensors and water equipment. Uh, so th those are recent deployments, but really the commonality among uh, you know, the use cases using Sternum is actually you know, if you're using a real-time operating system, if you're using an embedded Linux, if you have fleet of devices out there and you want to solve issues quickly, uh, you want to reduce vulnerability management efforts, you want to be compliant and, and secure uh, when you go into the field, then you use Sternum. And the use cases really vary because embedded systems, they exist across industries and across use cases, and they don't have any solution like CrowdStrike or Datadog to monitor them or protect them. And Sternum delivers that in, in one holistic platform. So would it be too simplistic to compare you to like the antivirus software that we run on our PCs, only you're running on IoT devices? What, what are the differences? It will be a very simplistic way to say that, yes. I would probably say it's more like running CrowdStrike on, on your IoT devices because uh, we are doing prevention, we are doing detection, we are collecting uh, operational data that can be used for insights, for quality resolving. So it's a really one platform that takes the synergy between data and security one, one step uh, further. And what I mean by that is I come from the security space, but when you do security, you have to be very intimate with the software, with understanding the software, uh, because to find weaknesses, you actually need to understand a lot about the system. Yes. Um, and when you think about that, the way to create insights and observability is by going deep into the software and collecting data and analyzing data. So. For Sternum, the synergy between observability and security is kind of uh, uh, trivial and in the core of our product. And we think that with the ability to go into the code and protect it, you can also gain insights that no other tools can. So we actually use security techniques to observe, collect data, and gain insights on, uh, on products on devices, on how users behave with devices, on malfunctions, malfunctions, sorry, and on cyber breaches altogether. So it sounds like you have to focus on specific platforms. Your, what are the um, IoT platforms that you've adapted your software to run on? So the main difference uh, that Sternum brings is being agnostic to the platform. And that's the key innovation. So we have three patents on how we do that uh, because the IoT market is diversified. I think that's one of the biggest issues that we see in the market. 
diversified in operating systems, in resources, in hardware. If you try to embed even a communication library, you need to tailor it to your specific IoT device. That's difficult. Um, the way we developed our product is by creating something that can integrate with any kind of existing platform. The way for us to do that is to integrate directly with the binary level beneath the operating system, which makes us currently support Sriatos, Zephyr, VxWorks, ThreadX, um, and many other real-time operating systems, as well as uh, embedded Linux uh, with the same technology, with the same platform. So we didn't tailor it uh, case by case. Uh, so let's kind of make it more more basic. What you're saying is through some mechanism that I don't understand, you can run on any ARM processor uh, with any operating system and there's no porting or anything like that. It just works with yes. everything. Uh, for example, Metronic is our customer. Uh, they have already a device with software on it. What they do is they install a plugin, the external plugin. And then it's integrated with their project. So it's being ported automatically to the operating system that they are using and then creates uh, um, the uh, protections that I was discussing and observability. So um, basically, we work with device manufacturers, Steve. So it's not like we install remotely and then it's instantly running on existing devices. It is a software solution or right. uh, uh, tool that device manufacturers can use, like any other third-party library. But our library creates and integrates with the existing code to make it observable and to protect it against software vulnerabilities. So we use techniques like hooking and uh, instrumentation to be able to integrate with your existing communication stacks and with your existing operating system. I hope it makes sense. I, I th it's making more sense. So, you know, if I'm a smoke alarm manufacturer um, and I uh, want to make sure that I'm uh, I'm Nest as an okay, example, great. and I want to, yeah, I want to make sure that my smoke alarms are protected. What's the process that I go through to work with you? So we give you the installer. You put that mm -hmm. uh, in your CI/CD system, so your developer computer. And then when you create additional code or just uh, create a new version of your Nest device, it will uh, be compiled together with our solution. And our solution will be protecting your uh, existing code, including all third parties. Uh, so it will make sure that all memory operations are protected, all execution flows are protected. It will inspect operations like executing code or... Uh, or files that are being uploaded to the system, and it will send real-time alerts for your existing communication stacks into our uh, cloud portal to alert you if something bad happened, uh, on, even on downtime. So um, just like any other system, if you wanted to connect your IoT device, for example, to AWS device management system, so you need to include the libraries to make sure that you have the device connected to that platform. So we have a portable SDK that helps you collect data and connect everything needed to our platform. 
uh, it's very easy to connect. And the protections, they are being integrated automatically to the existing binary code uh, that, that is your existing device. So now, basically, you install the plugin, you created a new version, you can either deploy uh, to existing devices via over-the-air updates uh, to basically creating the last patch, you can say, instead of constantly patching due to security vulnerabilities, it's a one-time firmware update that makes your device protected against wide range of, uh, of security threats. And if you're building a new device, then the observability helps you to early detect security issues, to understand third parties that are consuming lots of resources, battery, uh, bandwidth. It helps you to do dynamic software analysis because we are running everywhere the code runs and we create visibility into the code. And we give you a way to do that data analytics and correlations on our cloud so that when you go to market, you go to market safer um, and probably faster uh, because uh, this observability helps with bug resolutions and quality issues. And then when your devices are in the field, you get full post-production surveillance uh, and analytics into usage, um, errors, and security issues. Um, the way it works is that you can also create visibility for your customers. So if you are Nest and you're selling to a big enterprise, and that enterprise is now worried about your device being an entry point to its network, right? Because your device is connected. This is Internet of Things. We're talking about connected devices. Um, and that enterprise, it has endpoint protection. It has email protection. It has network security. It has all of those things. But then the IoT devices or your Nest device is part of his network, and he has no idea what's going on on that device. So as a manufacturer, you can enable them to see the security alerts, to see the cybersecurity health of the device and create additional layer of uh, services to the enterprises using your devices. Well, I noticed that you did your, it seemed like you did your degree at high school. How, how is that possible? Uh, you, had, you did your bachelor's degree by the time you were 19, is yes, that right? I started with uh, a special program for uh, for talented kids. So you do the undergraduate degree together with high school. So I finished both at the same time um, and then joined uh, Unit A200. In the Unit A200, you know, it's uh, lots of cybersecurity, um, obviously. Uh, then many years as a security researcher and um, leading research team, leading development teams, and mainly designing exploits to extract intelligence. And when you ask about our technology, then what was clear to me during the career is that no matter which system we tried to penetrate, we always succeeded. No matter how many millions of dollars were spent on security, be it Windows, Android, Linux, um, iPhone, it was always possible to find a vulnerability and to exploit it. And when we started Sternum, we were thinking how we can flip the power between hackers and defenders, because how can it be that defenders have to protect 100% of the flaws of the vulnerabilities and hackers only needs to find one 
to find a way in. That's a losing game. You will always have one vulnerability in your device. No matter how you will implement all best practices, uh, it's a losing game. So when we started the company, we were start thinking on how can we stop ourselves. So the exploitation fingerprint technology is actually exactly that, because what we are doing is instead of fingerprinting uh, the malware or fingerprinting the vulnerability and try to find vulnerabilities, what we are doing is fingerprinting the exploitation technique. And let me explain. There is uh, two common uh, uh, industry terms. One is CVE and another is a CWE. A CVE is a vulnerability, a specific instance of a vulnerability in a specific device or application. But a CWE is a common weakness enumerator, and it's basically the type, the family of the vulnerability. So you can have 100 different buffer overflows, for example, but they are all under the same CWE, uh, which describes the weakness, a buffer overflow. So Sternum, instead of trying to identify all the 100 different vulnerabilities, or all the 100 different malwares that can operate on your device, we are fingerprinting the CWE, the type, the family of the vulnerability and how it's being exploited. So in the sense of a buffer overflow, for example, to exploit a buffer overflow, no matter which one, you have to corrupt the memory. This is something that you have to do. You have to overflow the memory. Otherwise, you cannot penetrate the device. So instead of uh, finding the vulnerability, what we are doing is hooking into the memory uh, of the operating system and making sure that no overflows are happening in real-time execution. So even if there is a vulnerability, when someone tries to exploit it, what we are fingerprinting is the way to exploit it. And then we can alert in real-time if something bad happens. We can protect against zero days we can reduce patchwork, and most importantly, we can actually safeguard uh, against advanced threats for the long run and for the longevity uh, of the devices. And this approach is essential for the IoT space because patching is hard, updating is hard. They essentially doing a very deterministic operation. An IoT device does not include human interfaces. You cannot download applications. So we are not dependent on human mistakes. So we can actually use the fact that they have deterministic operation and just making sure that the device behaves as intended. And since software is deterministic and the device is deterministic, all we have to do as defenders is making sure that there is no deviations from the intended use. And by doing that, we can actually prevent wide range of uh, threats. So. Uh, this is what we are fingerprinting, and, and this is not a new approach in the industry. So EDRs, EPP, and uh, RASP, runtime application self-protection, are existing concepts that help secure clouds and help secure uh, PCs, but they do not exist for the IoT space because they have low resources, they are diversified, they cannot accept agents, it's very hard to integrate things to IoT devices. But if you overcome those issues, then you can bring advanced industry standards to secure IoT devices. As, as a bonus feature, you get deep observability and analytics into the device behavior. So you can create alerts on 
malfunctionings, temperatures, uh, downtimes, uh, to have root cause analysis of each one. Um, and that's part of what we provide in, in the platform. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards... Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. You know, how realistic is it to say that you'll never have to patch your device? I mean, if I ship a um, security camera with, uh, you know, a, a backdoor, you know, admin password is admin and the login is admin, presumably I'm still going to have to patch that, uh, even if I have the sternum software on my security you camera. You always have to fix your devices, for sure. Uh, but yes. there is a lot of vulnerabilities getting published. And if your software is protected, uh, because of sternum, you can delay the patch, you can combine few patches and release uh, uh, one update, you can paste the patch into your software release lifecycle. So I'll give you an example. We have a big customer. Uh, it had three vulnerabilities discovered, and when tested in the lab, uh, it was protected by sternum. So, of course, if he has an admin password that is available, then he should patch it immediately. But if he has a command injection vulnerability or a buffer overflow that uh, he has active mitigation against with sternum, then he is not vulnerable. There is no way to exploit it. So he can fix it sometime in the future, and he can also not fix it uh, if there is no planned release, but it will not get exploited in the field, which is the key element here. So prevention of zero days exists, and you can prevent one days that are untouched in the same techniques as you prevent zero days. And this is this is what we offer. And given that we're not a security podcast, can you explain what zero days is? Yes, of course. 
So a zero day basically is a vulnerability that was found by a hacker, by a government, no matter what, and it was not being uh, disclosed into the public. So basically nobody knows about it and people can exploit devices that contains this vulnerability because you don't even know that you need to patch because the vulnerability is unknown. Uh, when a vulnerability gets disclosed, this is where there is a count that begins. And it's been uh, um, called one day because this is the first day that it's been disclosed. And then you need to go and patch the devices. And there is a nice metric saying like, uh, as long as the vulnerability is uh, uh, longer uh, disclosed, then most of the devices will be patched against it. Uh, so if it's the first day, then probably you will have devices not patched. If it's the 10th day, then you will have more devices patched. The problem with the IoT space is that even uh, uh, a five-month-old vulnerability, you can probably still exploit it in the wild because IoT devices are not getting updated that frequently. Um, so we have to come up with new ideas on how to secure the IoT because the traditional ways would not work in such a different use case. How big is the problem that we've got at the moment? Um, can you, you've probably got a perspective on how vulnerable the software is that, you know, if I buy a, a door lock for my door today, um, Am I basically <laughs> opening my door to anyone that wants to download some software on the internet? Or uh, what's your perspective on the, the state of the industry? So, you know, it's, it's not me saying that uh, the S in IoT does not exist, right? So I think the security status of uh, the devices is uh, very problematic. And... We can't really expect each and every device manufacturer to come up with a very secure device. Um, so there needs to be a product that can do that, that's for sure. Um, we also have a huge visibility and observability problem. So those devices collect massive amounts of data. Many devices out there are not really benefiting from that data or uh, analyzing that data in real time or creating insights based on this data. So a lot of product uh, people, a lot of device manufacturers, a lot of users are blind into the operations of the devices. And it's part of the big gap that the embedded industry has, which is they don't have advanced tools for observability, analytics, and security. And it creates what you cannot see, you cannot secure. That's for sure. And what is not secure and is not monitored is probably being hacked and nobody knows about it. So I think we are now starting to see more and more attacks. Just last week, I heard about four uh, companies got hit by an IoT uh, vulnerability. Um, and the need is, is on the rise to understand how to secure uh, the devices. So very good. Well, um, uh, I feel like we've not spent much time talking about the cloud component of what you do, the kind of the analytics uh, side. Is there anything more that you want to say about that? Um, 
So going back to our software, so it automatically collects uh, operational data from the software, and you can add and customize the data that you collect using our portable SDK. Now, our cloud was actually designed to handle uh, massive amounts of data points coming in in real time. And the key challenge is how you create insights, right? How you're not just presenting logs, but you're saying, hey, you have a malfunction here, and this is the reason. Or you have high CPU usage, and this library is taking most of your CPU at that moment. And to figure that out, we actually used data intelligence uh, skill sets as well as AI and machine learning, um, as well as expertise in the IoT space, because you have to understand the data that you collect to correlate between them. The outcome is a cloud platform that allows uh, you to customize alerts and to customize uh, logs and traces. It delivers automatic insights in terms of potential breaches, malfunctioning, uh, root cause investigations of errors that is happening in the field. And it's also capable of detecting uh, during software development um, bugs like memory leaks, information leaks, uh, potential reboots that is uh, caused by some third party and so on. The reason it is enabled isn't because we are, you know, that good at AI. I mean, we're not, we're no better than any other AI company. The reason uh, what we are doing is special is the data that we are capable of harvesting for the device. So unlike other tools, we actually instrument third parties and the operating system itself to collect interesting data. And when you have this enriched data from uh, hidden data points in your code, closed source code, third party code, that you are not monitoring, that you are not seeing, that all of your data analytics and AI algorithms are enriched with things that other tools cannot see. And when you have this data, then you can really make something out of it. Uh, so the, the cloud part is actually just well-designed for IoT, but the, uh, the UVP is about the data that we collect, how we automatically know which data to collect, and how we translate it to uh, operational security and, and business insights. Makes sense. So um, last question about the business is just where you're seeing the most traction. What, what, uh, we, we talked a bit about some of the use cases uh, or the industries, at least, yeah. that you're working on. Where, where are you seeing the most traction? So the medical space is a special one because you have regulation, you have compliance, you have post-market surveillance that is very important. Um, and since we are bringing tremendous value basically out of the box uh, to those uh, aspects, uh, we see a lot of traction there. Also, securing devices that are uh, treating people, I think it's a very important mission. Um, the other verticals is actually, we're seeing a lot of traction in everyone developing embedded systems. And that's really the, the common use case. 
So you're developing a device, you want to secure it, you want to, to observe it. There is no specific industry or vertical that I can say, Steve, this is where uh, we are needed the most. Because it's really an entire community that develops real-time operating system applications or embedded Linux or mission-critical devices. And it can be in the industrial space, in the water and energy industries. It's really diversified. Makes sense again. Um, well, very good. Well, th thank you very much, Natalie. Uh, it's important work that you're doing. I, I can't let you go uh, um, before asking that uh, last question, which is, you know, we asked you to come up with three songs that are important to you. And uh, what are they? Okay, three. Okay. Uh, Just three. That, that's a lot. So <laughs> I think the trivial choice will be our wedding song. Uh, so it's actually uh, an Israeli song. Uh, it talks uh -huh. about a crazy woman, uh, a painter, and how uh, they love each other but give everyone, um, each one of them, the freedom to be who they are in the relationship. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think it's a very nice traditional Israeli song. Uh, uh, so, it's called, so it's not a new song. It's not a what's it called? It's called it's uh, uh, that's all the magic. Um, okay, that's the that's name all the magic. in English. I think the second one will probably be uh, Britney Spears' uh, "One More Time" song. Uh, all right. Just because you know, I grew up uh, learning computer science when I was fourteen, and then a two hundred, and then the cyberspace. There is no woman um, in that space. And I had to like Britney Spears and push that into the very man uh, uh, communities that I was in. Uh, so for me, Britney was always like uh, something that was mine uh, in that uh, places. Uh, I, I can't believe that. Uh, I think that um, you know Israel is seems to be very progressive uh, society, and I, when I studied computer science in 1980, there were I was in a class of 100, and there were probably five women, um, and it doesn't sound like things have changed much. That's uh, that's not. Good. I hope things change uh, now. It was uh, 16 years ago uh, that I started okay. school. Um, and at least 10 years since say 200. So I hope things change, but the statistics shows that in the cyberspace, there are still like 10, than, less than 10% uh, women in leading positions. So uh, there, is, there is still a road uh, to go. Room to go, yeah. And yes. then uh, your last choice? Yes. Uh, the last choice. So, How to Save a Life, uh, if you're familiar with that song. I think it's... Uh, okay, so Google it later on. Uh, it's, a, it's a great song about friendship, I think, and, uh, um, and talking with people after you, you had some uh, gaps in the past. Okay. Very good. And it, it, it's a traditional song or uh, who sings it? It's pretty popular pop song. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me see. I forgot the name of the band. The Prey. 
Oh, okay. Very good. All right. Sounds uh, sounds uh, sounds like a good theme. Well, Natalie, it's been um, uh, between my my COVID and uh, the link and uh, um, the the gap between auto ID and security. It's uh, it's been a little turbulent, but I've really enjoyed it. I've certainly learned, and I appreciate you spending time with us. Thank you. I appreciate so much the opportunity to be here and the time. So if you have been, thanks very much for uh, listening and watching the, uh, the podcast, uh, my interview with Natalie. Hopefully you learned uh, as much as I did uh, and, and found the conversation interesting. So uh, thanks very much for sticking with us. We really appreciate it. And until next time, be safe. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.